0: Prime Minister Trudeau has just basically expressed not only that he doesn't care, but almost a sense of satisfaction that people lost their jobs for refusing, for religious or medical reasons, his jab mandate, his mandate that people get jabbed with a so-called vaccine that was made off the backs of aborted babies. Maybe people don't think of the actual consequences of his barbarism. We're going to look at the consequences today we have a guest with us who is a father he's a young man still at least you know not not elderly couldn't take retirement has children and lost his job he's a veteran of the canadian army lost his job anyway for standing up for his own faith his own beliefs and for truth and trudeau is happy with that this is the john henry weston show Stay tuned. Just before we begin, let me remind you that we are in the middle of our fundraiser, so please go to give.lifesitenews.com to support us there, and thank you for your support. Jesse DaCosta, good to be with you.
1: Hi, nice to meet you finally in person, uh, John. I've followed your site for probably since the early 2000s. I'm a big fan of LifeSite News and all the work you do for the pro-life movement.
0: Praise God. Let's begin as we always do at the side of the cross.
1: In the name of the Father, and
0: of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, Jesse, you are one of the victims of Prime Minister Trudeau's mania uh, in his push for the JAB mandates without any regard for the consequences of his inane demands. In fact, now, even on the other side where we realized, oh my goodness, they actually realized that the mandates were not doing anything. They were there basically to punish people for not being willing to obey. They weren't doing the job in terms of anything to do with health or the spread of uh, coronavirus. And still he's unrepentant, still in the face of so many people suffering because of what he did, he shows not only no remorse, but he justifies it. Tell us about uh, tell us about yourself and about your story.
1: Well, um, as you said, I'm a veteran. I have a 22 years combined service. So combined service, that means I was 12 years in the army, and then I was 10 years a military firefighter. So they're just slightly different branches. Um, so... Uh, I retired in 2018. I did a short stint in corrections and then I was hired by the Calgary airport to be a firefighter uh, here by a private company based out of the States. Uh, it was a great job. We had a great crew. It was exciting. Um, I was good at my job. I was told by my direct supervisor that, you know, if positions had come up, he would recommend me for promotion. He said I was a top guy. his crew. Uh, um, he said, but then, you know, once COVID happened, kind of like everything changed. It was like, at first it, it wasn't so much walking on eggshells. I would say from, in 2020, there was a good sense, maybe half the firefighters kind of knew there was something wrong with, let's say the narrative, the media was constantly feeding us. And um, they were like, no, this is not right. A lot of them were looking up, doing their own research on the vaccines and knowing that, no, these vaccines are not legitimate vaccines. But, you know, at the end of the day, once the mandate came out, Uh, A lot of pressure was put down on these people. So, you know, we went from being half of us saying, well, no, we're not going to take, we're not going to take it. And then slowly, slowly those numbers would dwindle and it finally came down to it. A couple of us were put on leave without pay, uh, me being one of them in November of 2021 when the mandates hit and we applied for a religious exemption. I knew it was coming, so I'd kind of had prepared it. I thought I had a really strong religious exemption. Um, You know, I had the support of Bishop Schneider, the means that he provided, but I also had the support of our local priest. Um, And they basically, my employer just didn't even really address it. They sent it off to a third party, which I thought was odd. Usually they should work with the employee directly to come to some sort of resolution. They didn't. They sent it off to a third party. Who's this third party? I wondered, and are they a theologian? Like, are they, how do they know how, how, you know, how my religious exemption and the vaccines, like how it applies theologically? So, you know, I'm not a professional theologian, but I'd studied theology, uh, you know, informally for years. So I have a little bit of a grasp of it, but again, they never approached me personally. And then they um, just... Before right before Christmas said they rejected it, uh, and that if I didn't get the vaccine by February, I'd be fired. So I'm like, no, there's no way I'm taking it. Um, And I did eventually get fired in March, but I had already pursued other like just jobs, like odd jobs, not in my career field, just to kind of bring some income in. Um, And yeah, that's about it. Um, You kind of hit the nail on the head when you said uh, Trudeau's mania. It does seem that you know he reminds me of you know Nero while Rome burned you know playing the fiddle like everything you see all these other countries that even had these ridiculous mandates lifting them now and realizing that you know there never was really it it never really was warranted and he's just kind of still playing the fiddle as Rome burns and like you know like you said unrepentant he doesn't care he just it's more about him power him having power over 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 His minions, it seems, you know. It's
0: it's absolutely disgusting. But let us learn a little bit about you. Would you mind telling us about your family?
1: Yeah, so um, I have one wife, two kids. um, Been married for over 20 years. 1999, we were married. So my daughter's 16, my son's seven. Uh, We homeschool. So uh, basically, I'm the sole breadwinner of my family. Um, You know, and my, but my wife was really, really supportive when this all came out. She's like, no, I don't want you taking that. A, because we know morally it's tainted. B, we don't even, and there's no, you know, what they were, what they were telling us COVID was going to be in early 2020 and never panned out. So it was really never a pandemic, like in the sense that they were saying. Um, So, you know, as we discussed before, the principle of double effect You know, you hear a lot of people, they talk in generalities, can you take certain tainted vaccines if, you know, it's the only choice and, 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 you know, people are dying all around you, maybe the principle of double effect can allow it, but there has to be a real, real reason, real pressing reason. And since that wasn't the case, there were no people dropping dead all over the place. Then I I believe that the principle of double effect never really came into play. So Now you're just taking a medication tainted by abortion. But not only that, you know, we have a moral responsibility for our own health as well. We shouldn't just take something, even if it wasn't tainted by abortion, but it had all these side effects, which were very, very harmful and which really outweighed the protection that gave you. I don't think you can morally take it because now you're putting yourself in danger, um, uh, for no real good reason, right? You know, we see all these blood clots, uh, heart attacks, strokes, um, you know, the, the idea of sterility. And this was being, a lot of people were raising uh, the red flag on this even before these vaccines were out. So people that used to work for the company say, no, there's fertility fertility issues here. And, you know, that's a horrible thing, especially if you inject a child. I don't know how anybody can inject a child with this. And let's say you sterilize your child. You're taking that choice away from your child. You know? Um, so. Now, as you
0: said, you had to go basically job hunting back to sort yeah. of square one. Um, and you've now, how, how are you faring right now?
1: Well, at first, I took a local job basically just doing snow removal, right? Which, you know, very physically demanding, long hours and not very much pay. I did that for a little while. And then, then after that, I did that for about a month and a half, but it was very sporadic too. It wasn't, you couldn't count on it. And it was only when it snowed, you know, if it didn't snow, you didn't work. So um, then a, a contact through the church said, oh, I know a guy, a con- local construction co- renovation company that were looking for help. So then I got on with them, did that for a couple months, um, which was just doing odd jobs around the house that they were renovating. A little bit better pay, but again, you know, um, very physically demanding. I, I actually, because I know I don't want to say like because firefighting is physically demanding. Demanding, and I was in fairly really good shape. Um, but firefighting is different. The, the when I say physically demanding, this other job was. It's not that it was harder um, in the sense like you had to be in better shape, but it was the repetitive nature of the work you were doing. So I was doing a lot of like uh, demolition and, uh, you know, so like literally ripping up floors, like hammering and, uh, all day and ripping up with a pry bar. So that did an actually did a number on my, my hand. Like, um, when I was in the military, I, I hurt my elbow years ago. I had what's called tennis elbow. Right. And so, um, I used to go to physiotherapy, kind of went away for a while, but this really exacerbated that problem. It got to the point where like, uh, every night I was waking up with burning uh, numbness in my hands. Right. But so I just, I kept on doing it, but I, you know, you got to provide. So I'm like, oh, whatever. I just worked through the pain and kept doing it. Then another uh, position opened up um, doing a driving job. So I'm a picker driver, basically, or it's a class three vehicle with a crane for a, a local construction company, a commercial construction company here. So they hired me about six weeks ago. And that's who I'm currently working for now. So it's a little bit better pay. It's not as hard on my, on my arms, my hands. But, you know, again, it's still not as good for our family life as, as the airport job was. Obviously, we talked about, um, you know, when kids that have a, a bit of special needs. It, um, so it's hard on my wife. The fire job, a lot of my schedule for me to be home a lot more to help her out. You know, she homeschools. And then, um, you know, so I I was home a lot more and, um, it was just better for us, better for our family life. Now I'm, I'm away a lot more. I'm not making as much money. Not that the money is bad, but, um, you know, I've had to give up a career though. Like that, and that's different, you know, people though, you know, I worked over 12 years as a firefighter, right? And so that was a career path that I was on. I was trained for it. I have, you know, I have qualifications for it. So now it's like starting at square one again, when you're 46 years old and people say, well, why wouldn't you go just get another fire job? Well, I'm not, firefighting is very competitive. It's not like if I have a business degree when I get fired from a company that let's say, you know, has these vaccine mandates, but you, you know, like you have a business degree, you can go anywhere that looks for those qualifications. It's not, it's not the same sort of thing Whereas firefighting is very niche, very competitive. You can't just go and, and say, I'm just going to apply for a municipal fire department and get it. Not only that, but being my age, um, physically, I'm not in as good a shape as I used to be. And that's part of usually an application process, right. Uh, for a fire department. Mm-hmm. Um, One of the
0: things too, is that you, you moved to get to this job. Did you not?
1: Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I so- mean, um, n- Nola, my wife, her family was from Edmonton. So we had to move away from her family. So we pretty much don't have any other family here. On the other hand, um, you know, um, I don't regret moving, but I did move for the job, but I also moved to be closer to our church community. So um, you know, I think it's providential that we moved here. Everything is providential, everything happens for a reason. Um, so we'll see what happens, right? We'll see where we're going. Let's was. get
0: to that because while God might make good of it, it doesn't excuse what your employers did to you, and they might have been forced. Ultimately, Trudeau did. But mm-hmm. let's get to the other side of the story as well. I would love to hear what the reaction is from your wife and from your kids to what you've done.
1: Um, well, like, like I said earlier, my wife was really supportive. She knew it was coming you know, but she, her take was that it's hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard on me. As, and, it, and it has been, has been especially hard on my wife. She's had to have had to given up, you know, a lot by me being away more often now, Me being not uh, as available for her anymore. Um, my wife's got fibromyalgia too. So it's like, there's, there's health, health issues in, in the family that, that, um, you know, affect our day-to-day life. And, so me and my schedule allowing me to be home more often, it wasn't kind of like a luxury thing, it wasn't just, oh, look at me, it, was, it allowed me to do more around the home to take more off, you know, take a load off of her, uh, help with the kids, um, on just so many aspects. So she knew that going into this, that she would be sacrificing a lot. And in many ways, it's been a bigger sacrifice on her than it has been on, on me. I mean, but it's been hard on all of us. Um, you know, but at the same time, she said, well, okay, you're giving up the job, you're giving up the time off, you're giving up the, the pay, but, um, we don't know that if you took this, what would happen to you? if you if you are disabled from it, then you're still going to give up your career, you're still going to not be able to work in that in- industry, but not only that particular job that industry if something happens, if you get a stroke, if you get a heart attack, if you have seizures now that are ongoing, which you see happening all over the place, um, so you can't really replace your health. You know, you can get another job, and I have been able to do that, Um, even though it's been detrimental in certain aspects to my health, obviously. um, These are not life-threatening injuries. These are just injuries I kind of have to, like, put up with and, and power through, but her, her main point was that if I had become permanently disabled, I still wouldn't be there for her. I still wouldn't be there for the family. And then I wouldn't be able to get, you know, it would limit me even further in the future. Right. And who would have paid for that? You know, there was never any clear indication. If you got injured by one of these vaccines, was my em- employer going to pay for that? Was the airport going to pay for that? Was the Trudeau government going to pay for that? I don't know. Right not unclear where insurance company is going to pay for that. You hear a lot of stories popping up that no insurance companies are not paying for that. So what they're saying, ultimately it was still your choice, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because, you know, coerce, will coerce, you coerce, you coerce, you, but ultimately it's still your choice. Really? How much of a choice is it when you have to give up everything you've worked for your entire life or your, you know, your ability to earn a living? That's not yeah. much of a choice. So.
0: Yeah, you know. exactly. Um, Have your kids mentioned anything or said anything about
1: this? Um, My daughter's a little bit confused. I mean, she knows, um, we believe, and I'm I'm not gonna, she's never been formally diagnosed. So I don't like saying, uh, you know, coming out and saying these absolute statements, but from all the research we've done, you know, we would think that she leans more, uh, a lot into the Asperger's um, category, right? So she has a certain understanding. She, but all that she knows is now I'm not home as much anymore, and it's, it's been hard on her. Um, one of the benefits of moving down here is that we're fairly close to the Rockies, and on our days off, you know, I would take that time, I'd take my daughter, sometimes just me and my daughter, and we'd go on a lot of hikes in the mountains. and that was kind of like our time, right? Or that was her time to get away, um, you know, get away from the house um and just be alone with me and her we still do that but it's a lot less frequently so she's had to give up on that um you know and that's one of the things like she we didn't have that in edmonton you know we didn't have the ability to do those sort of things here. a lot limited in the activities you could do up there uh so that was a very big bonus for her when we moved down here and so we can tell that's hard on her not being able to get out as much anymore because that was kind of like one thing that she relied on right um mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What are your plans right now in terms of fighting back against this?
1: Well, um, we, we were unionized. Uh, that was through PSAC. The problem is that we had just become unionized because about a year prior to, to, uh, to the mandates coming out. So there's no collective bargaining agreement. They're still in negotiations right now. So since they're still in the middle of the negotiations, it kind of made the whole thing a little bit more tricky. Um, but I did file for a grievance, or I made it aware to my union as soon as they rejected my religious exemption that I would be filing a grievance against it. And I was mm-hmm. fired anyway. Well, anyway, the union appointed a lawyer uh, to me. So the, I am working with a lawyer. I think we're currently ar- in arbitration right now. Uh, we tried to do a mediation session. This was about a week or two ago with the employer. Um... That didn't go very well. Um, So the employer kind of didn't, their stance was that they had it imposed on them and it was, you know, they were putting a rock in a hard place and it would have been financially a burden for them to support me. Uh, And I said, well, it's still, you still could have honoured my exemption, you know, so that was my, my case. I understand that you were put in this situation when it came down from the federal government, but at some point you have to fight back right and since I can't fight back directly against the federal government I have to fight back against the employer Mm it was still an unjust uh, um, termination in my point of view so that's the route I'm going you know uh, so currently in arbitration I don't know where that's going to go it could lead to me getting either getting my job back or getting financial compensation for being unjustly let go basically um so
0: jesse if you could rewind Mm -hmm. would you consider taking the vaccine now knowing all that you know where it would lead you
1: absolutely not absolutely not it's it's um it's it's the vaccine itself is not a vaccine we know that it's an mrna treatment at least that's one type they're all connected to the abortion industry the um the COVID itself, I've had COVID and it was I've had flus in the past that were worse than COVID. So it doesn't warrant taking a vaccine, an experimental new vaccine, which there's no long-term studies for, and which, you know, when you look at the VARES reports and all these, and the various reports only represents a small percentage of things that of the actual amounts of side effects that are going on, because not that many people report them. Many go unreported, but the numbers are so astronomically off the charts, that there's no way I would take it. Like, I would not put my life and health at risk for this, right? And and like we said before, it it's not just the abortion component, although that's a large component. It's the fact that it can harm your health. And, you know, we are stewards, you know, of our own body and our own bodily health. You know, if our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, right? We can't do things knowingly to harm ourselves when it's unwarranted. You know, you have to make educated decisions on these things, and I've made. You know, I've done the research. I know it does not warrant taking this experimental technology. Um, so no, I would not take it. Um, at some point, people have to stand up, and they have to s- stand against these evil mandates because it sets an evil precedence. If you just roll over, you know, and do whatever they they say then what else are they going to do to you? What, what's the next step, right? I didn't serve 22 years in the military to have all our rights taken away from us. What was the point of it? Why did I know I knew comrades that, that died in Afghanistan. Why did they die just to have all our rights taken away from us over nothing? You know, um, it's really surprising and alarming that so many people went along with it. Although, you know, I wouldn't say willingly. I would say the vast majority of people went along with it because they were coerced, you know. And had these mandates not been in place, I would say the numbers would be a lot smaller in the amount of people that actually took this vaccine.
0: Definitely. So. so, finally, this have you been able to recognize or see God's hand throughout this working with you and your family? Because it seems you suffered a lot. Uh, what was your uh, thinking about our Lord's role and how he might have been there for you or not been there for you uh, during this time?
1: God's all, always there for you. So I don't think God's, you can never say that God's not there for you. Even your, in your suffering, he's there for you because he wants to unite your suffering to his suffering. You know, um, Father Ruder, in this, this last Sunday gave an amazing, amazing uh, sermon on the sacred heart and on how the part of the devotion of the sacred heart is making reparation, making reparation for our sins, but also the indifference and lack of love that is showed to our Lord. And that he emptied himself completely on the cross out of love for us. And at the heart, his heart is the center of his being. And because of the hypostatic union, even though it's a human heart, it's hypostatically united to the word of God. And the heart represents love and charity. And since God is perfect charity, the sacred heart represents the perfect charity of God. When we suffer, because he suffered completely, he emptied himself completely for us. His heart was pierced, right? And his blood flowed, and he emptied every last drop of blood on the cross through his sacred heart. So um, our suffering allows us to unite to his sacred heart and make reparation for the evil. And we know the, how the evil age we live in. I mean, your, 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 your news outlet is a perfect, perfect, you know, indication of that, that the, the evils that you cover in our society every day, which is just heaps scorn and scorn and scorn on God, right? Now, God is all merciful, but God is also all just, right? And we know that the justice of God is going to fall on society, Soon. So, the more reparation we can make in our suffering, the more we can unite our suffering to Christ's suffering, the more we can hasten the triumph of his sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary in the world and the conversion of sinners, too, right? We don't know, we'll, we'll only know when we die. We might go through our entire lives not knowing. You know, we look at events that happen in kind of like we put them in a little box here as, you know, individual events, all this bad thing happened to me, but we don't know the big scale of, of things, right? Well, God can use all these evil negative things, maybe to convert somebody. If, if, you, if, you, if you weather it with grace, maybe you win the graces of a conversion of a sinner out there, right? And you're not going to know this until you die. Maybe we all go to the general judgment. So I don't look at this as... I mean, yes, it was a negative thing. And like you said before, that doesn't mean we, we just roll over for evil and we let people do evil things to us because God can make good come out of it. But because God can make good come out of it, it helps us to weather those evil things a bit better. But we still fight for justice because like we said, God is all just. God does not want evil people to just triumph in the world and, and good people to just lay down and roll over and play dead. So there's, there's two things. You have to weather that evil with grace and try to merit as much grace as you can from it. And two, you do have to push back and fight the evil because God wants you to fight. Because you're not only fighting for yourself, you're fighting for other people. You're fighting for justice. You're fighting for goodness. You're fighting for uh, um, all those things. And we see that in the, the recent Roe v. Wade decision in the States that took the effort of pro-life movement in the States. How many years fighting, 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 fighting? Right. Well, God used that. God used that. And He finally, you know, He gave us a, a, good, a little win in this, this evil we're immersed in almost daily. It's like we're surrounded by evil. And He gave us that win, right? Because we're a, a faithful people. So it takes faithful people to stand up and to fight against evil, right? And, and, you know, I don't care if I'm only one person. I never saw it as just fighting for me and fighting for my job, even though that's what I was doing. That's not only what I was doing. You know, and I and I made it plain. You know, we had um, we had a, a union AGM prior to prior to me being let go, and I and I said it with the union rep because, you know, it seemed like our union was was very, you know, pro vaccine mandate. And you know, they would help you if you wanted, it, didn't want it, but it was almost like a reluctant uh, help, right? All all the official, uh, you know, if you went on their website, all the official narrative was, yeah, I get it because it's good, it's protecting. This. I'm like, okay, whatever. Anyway, I made it very clear. I was stating my case that I didn't believe in the policy. I didn't believe in the mandates, but it wasn't only for me. It was for all the other firefighters because I knew there were other firefighters there that didn't want it and only got it because they were coerced. But why should they have had to even had to make that decision? What about any health issues that they're going to go through uh, maybe because of it? And now that they get boosted, if, if they bring in a mandate to get boosted, you know, what happens when all of a sudden, you know, and yes, we can see a lot of the mandates falling. Maybe because that's good. People uh, push back, but if no one had pushed back, maybe you know, you would have had to get boosted every every year. Otherwise, you know, you're not up to date on your vaccines. And every boost you get, you're you're putting yourself out there for uh, risk of some very extremely negative side effects, right? So I was never just fighting for myself. I was fighting for my fellow firefighters. It's fighting against the policy. And, and society at large you shouldn't. It should just. We shouldn't just let this go unchecked, right? Um, yeah.
0: yeah. You sir are a soldier. You've been one for many years, both in the army as a firefighter for the army or in the military. Um, and you've kept going, fighting for Canada, despite the suffering. God bless you, Jesse Decosta.
1: Thanks, John. It was very. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you. It's a pleasure being on your show, and I hope that uh, if anything, I can. Maybe my story helps other people that are in such similar situations knowing that, you know, God will take care of you, right? Um, yes, sometimes you feel like it's, it's, it's an uphill battle, and it is, but God will look out for you when you have to trust in that, right?
0: Amen to that. Yeah. And God bless all of you, and we'll see you next time.